it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who didn't dump the newest border numbers on a Saturday morning. As they did in the Biden administration. My, oh me, oh my, I mean. This is total crap. It's one thing to bury bad news on a Friday, but to get out of bed on a Saturday morning when we now know everybody in Congress is busy cracking beer and getting ready for college football because they don't want to be voting on a House speaker on the weekends. Uh, CBP and the Biden administration going out and dumping some disastrous border numbers first thing Saturday morning. That's not right. It's an embarrassment. We're going to talk about it in this hour. We'll get into the House Speaker race as well. And, of course, the Biden administration being forced to walk back the president's comments on Israel. Come on, man. It's going to be a sloppy track. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the show. Also the number if you don't want to be a part of the show. You just want to call up and call us names. We don't care. I'm not an activist. I am a talk show host. You're just another dirtbag. Another way to describe me. Uh, but either way you slice it, you're all welcome. You can be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a... There it is. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm fired up. I'm in a great mood. I had a great weekend. Hung out with the Link Man. Uh, the Clark Rams stampeding to a 46-12 to victory on Saturday. <laughs> they are 6-1 and one on the year. 6-1. and one. The Rams are looking good. Uh, they do not have playoffs at a JV level. So dig this. You might actually see the Link Man. At my upcoming stand-up gigs. We were talking about that last night. That's the biggest development. Uh, If you don't have tickets, uh, today, the tickets to see me at the Carson Nugget. It's Saturday night, December the 2nd. They are officially, I've been mentioning the gig. I've been telling people I was going back to Carson. But unbeknownst to me, the tickets weren't on sale yet. The tickets are now on sale to see me December the 2nd at the Carson Nugget. Other dates where you might get to hang out with the Link Man and I as well. Uh, We are at the Stanley Theater in Utica, Saturday night, November the 11th. Those tickets available. Uh, It's going to be a red-hot WIBX event. Go get them. Friday night, November the 17th. Saturday the 18th in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. And then we will, of course, be in West Palm Beach at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Saturday night, December the 16th. Uh, all of these gigs, uh, potential sightings for the Jackson 3, Jenny and Lincoln, uh, if their schedules lighten up. I always like to bring them on the road uh, because I am, uh, you know, a bit of a family guy and I'm kind of proud of my family. I'm not trying to hide the numbers as they're doing uh, in the Biden administration right now. So let me give you this story really quick. So we got a lot to get into. But this one, man, this one really Burnt my nuts. What the hell did you say? No, it just did. Okay. I got to get into Biden stuff. I got to get into the speaker stuff. There's now 82 people running right now for the House speakership in Washington. It's bananas. Okay. But let me start here because 
I read this and I reread this. And if you follow politics, okay, which I'm sure a good amount of you do, then you're very well familiar, well versed with the old adage of if the White House has bad news, they bury it on a Friday afternoon. Tell them like it is. The conventional thinking being it's the weekend. As Loverboy once sang, everybody's working for the weekend. That whole thing. So it's 5 o'clock on a Friday. Everybody's going a happy hour. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's going a happy hour, you know, trying to find somebody to shack up with in the parking lot afterwards. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, while everybody's running off to happy hour, uh, ogling scantily clad women at the bar. Hubba, hubba. Okay, what they were doing uh, traditionally in politics is that's where you'd stick your most damaging news story of the week. This is politics as usual. Well, it is. Usually you would bury it on a Friday while everybody's busy. Okay, Friday night lights. You got football games. People are going out. They're excited. They're going to the movies. As Representative uh, Greg Murphy said on Friday, they were not going to be voting on a new speaker over the weekend because they had college football to watch and beer to drink. He admitted it. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Now, I want to be fair to the representative because he did also say he was going fishing. It wasn't just that they were going to be getting drunk and watching college football. He also flat out admitted they were going fishing with 10 of their friends. (laughs) That's who runs the government, you understand? Okay, but when it comes to this White House deal and this border deal, this one really got me, man. It's bananas. But basically where we're at now, this is significant, is in the month, in the first month uh, of the fiscal year, okay, we have had 23,000 known gotaways at the southern border. This could be a problem. It's a huge problem. Known gotaways means people that we know of. There have been 23,000 people that we are aware of that have made it into this country. We have no idea where they are. That can't be good. That's just the 23,000 that we know of, okay? There could be tens of thousands more that we don't even know of right now. Biden sucks. Okay, but take it a step further. We also have, according to the Saturday morning news dump, not even Friday night where everybody's busy and they're at happy hour and they're trying to get paid and they're trying to get laid as they do on Friday nights. I love it when you talk dirty. Okay, understand this is Saturday morning when people are waking up hungover or you got work to do. Or, yes, you have now seen the consequences of the courtship after you drank 700 beers at happy hour and now you wake up next to something you probably shouldn't be waking up next to. Okay, while everybody else is trying to tiptoe delicately out of the Hot Sheets Motel where they spent the previous evening, okay, the Biden administration releases the worst border numbers in the history of the country. In the history of the country, highest ever recorded. Okay, 269,000 people crossed the border last month under Joe Biden. You have no idea how to defend a nation. But understand, that's that we know of. Those 23,000 got That's that we know of. Okay, it could be another 100,000. Okay, but the bigger issue is they're not just coming from South America. They're coming from other regions of the world, not landlocked to the continental United States, other regions of the world that have proven to be a hotbed for terror groups. Okay, a breeding ground for terror groups. Okay, as we get on the air right now, we're being told 
okay, that federal agents are worried about Hamas coming across the southern border. They're worried about Hezbollah coming across the southern border. According to a memo, members of Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah could be attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border. Really? No I mean, come on, man. Okay, you're letting them into the country. Of course, they're crossing the southern border. We know that to be the case. But again, in another exercise in proving that the politics are always more important than the people, they bury this on a Saturday morning. Okay, nobody's watching the news on a Saturday morning, you understand? Okay, kids are watching Saturday morning cartoons if they're school-age kids. Might be getting ready for some JV football as we were in my house. Or, yay, you could be shaking off a hangover or even running out to work. I work pretty much every day of the week. I get it. Okay, but the reality is there's not a single family in America that's awaiting a statistical analysis from Customs and Border Patrol on a Saturday morning. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. And you want to know why they're not waiting for one on a Saturday morning? Because they've never gotten one on a Saturday morning. They don't publish them on a Saturday morning because usually the people in Washington are forced to own their performance. Even if they're burying it on a slow news day on a Friday, there's usually, you know, one or two reporters around to report the truth. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Okay, but once in a while you get the one or two guys that'll write an article. Okay, but in this instance, they buried it on a Saturday morning. Okay, they buried it on a Saturday morning. Why? Because we are in the middle of a war. They are very concerned that people from Hamas and Hezbollah could be coming here to try and do us harm. And they're damn well aware that their border policies aren't working and curtailing the flow of people and drugs across the southern border. That's why the Biden administration, if you remember, announced two weeks ago that they were building a wall. They were completing Trump's wall. They didn't want to complete Trump's wall. That's what they told us. But they were waiving 26 laws in order to expedite the process of building the wall. You know, they were so against building it that they're going to break 26 laws in order to build it is what they told you. Come on, don't bullshit me. Don't you hate when you just really don't want to do something so you break 26 laws so you can do it quicker? I mean, come on, man. It's embarrassing. But again, these are people more concerned with their own political well-being than anything going on at the southern border, which means anything going on anywhere else in the country. Okay, when you put those numbers out there on a Saturday morning, like you're really putting them out there to get them buried. It's the only reason I'm leading the show with is the story isn't everywhere in the news. Okay, there's a really embarrassing story I'm going to get to where the White House had to walk back Biden's stance on Israel and whether or not it was okay for a ground invasion to get out of the way. Okay, Biden said yes. And the White House is now saying (laughs) now he doesn't speak for us. He's just the president of the United States of America. What do you want from me? He doesn't, you know, time was a president went out there and speak and everybody knew better than to take it seriously. This is the embarrassing world we find ourselves living in. Okay, but understand when you're burying numbers like that at the southern border, okay, you're burying those numbers because you're trying to bury the political harm against your party. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. So at a time when we're at war, okay, when we've got a, I mean, a stunning and shameful rise in anti-Semitism here in America, not to mention around the globe. And everybody's out there calling it, you know, death to America, death to Israel, we're the Zionists, we're the occupiers, we're committing a genocide, according to the people on the left. I mean, is it true? Obviously not. 
But those are the sentiments. And when they're weaponizing those sentiments to manipulate people into wanting to harm us and our allies, letting the southern border swing wide open, I got to be honest with you, it's a really bad move. He knows what he's talking about. But are they speeding up the process of closing it? I mean, in theory, the answer would be no. Now they're going to build a wall at some point, and that'll be great. And we do believe walls work. But they're trying to hide the political cost in the short term because they don't want us addressing this as a country because it reflects negatively on them. But this is where I tell you over and over and over again, man, putting people into power that are traditional politicians, they have been taught, they have been versed, they have lived enough of this life that they are capable of not caring about you and your family. They don't care. This is where traditional politicians actually made a lane for a guy like Donald Trump to come in and be president. It wasn't because we co-signed every word out of Trump's mouth. We didn't think he was going to be our pastor. Okay, believe me, a lot of us read his tweets, you know, when Trump was posting things during the race, you know, you know, (laughs) bleeding from her eyes or her face or whatever. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Right. We'd be like, I don't know what he was going for there. I genuinely don't know what he was going for there. Okay, don't know. Okay, we can't co-sign everything Trump says. But the reason there was such an appetite for an outsider in politics, the reason there's such an appetite right now for someone who's not a traditional status quo swamp sellout to be the next Republican Speaker of the House is we realize people who've been in Washington for 15 or 20 years are completely indifferent to the well-being of other people. They don't care. They want to make their money. They want to eat their lobbyist food, you know, dinners, and they want to send us to war because it's immensely profitable and their kids aren't going to fight the wars. That's where we find ourselves right now. Okay, the southern border is wide open. Why? Because if somebody comes in here and actually does something bad from another country and drags us further into this conflict, it's actually good for the bottom line in Washington, D.C. They all get rich off military contracts and everything in between. They get more conflict and you get more of a status quo in Washington. Okay, if we're at war, they're not going to upset the apple cart and change the entire way we do business. That's not going to happen. You know, so when you see them go out and bury these border numbers on a weekend, it's not just because they're trying to protect the political damage to their party. okay? but it's an effort to protect the way of doing business in Washington. There's a reason Republicans aren't losing their minds over these numbers. It's because on some level they benefit from the chaos, too. This is where I tell you all the time. We employ the people who go to work in Washington, you know, the ones who eat the fancy lobbyist dinners and get all the insider trading tips from the stock, you know, from the stocks that are about to go up based on legislation they're passing and stuff like that. Okay, right now, every one of us in every party, everyone in every party is being failed by going on in Washington, because when you're in the middle of a war that is very much showing signs of instigate, you know, escalating to a global conflict and you're letting 300,000 people come across your border undetected and you don't even know where the other 23,000 are, okay, you're not looking out for the country, okay? In fact, you're endangering every single member of that country by being indifferent to the actual policies that are causing this flow at the border. I got a bad feeling about this. The show that solves problems the old-fashioned way. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
Let me read you these numbers really quick. San Diego Field Office, Intelligence Division of Customs and Border Protection. Okay, that's where the memo comes from. Uh, they sent a memo at the end of October on the actual overall border numbers that came out on Saturday. And it warns that due to the war between Israel and Hamas, there could be encounters of terror-tied individuals who are seeking to travel to or from the Middle East via transit across the southern border. You know, the place where 7 million people have walked in the door <laughs> to the president so far. I wonder why the hell they'd choose that. Uh, but let me just give you some real numbers, okay? Memo lists several questions of interest, such as questions related to the individual's personal familiar associations with Hamas, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. But here are the numbers. This is what matters, Okay. Border officials arrested 18 people on the FBI's terror watch list in September, making fiscal year 2023 a record uh, at the southern border. According to CBP, the stats released Saturday, 169 people on the FBI terror watch list were encountered between ports of entry at the southern border in the past 12 months, a number that not only exceeds the fiscal year of 2022, which was a record setter at 98, but it exceeds the last six fiscal years combined. Okay. Joe Biden, in one year, had more members of the terror watch list apprehended at the southern border than the previous six years combined. Biden is such a disaster. Now, again, you go, but Jimmy, that's good, you know, because they're, you know, they're arresting these guys. That means they're all over it. Wrong. No, it doesn't. Do you understand the number of known gotaways is the highest number in history? All we know right now is more people are approaching our border than ever. More have gotten away than ever, okay? At a time when half the world wants to blow up us and our allies, we're letting people walk right across the border. And oftentimes they're going undetected, okay? 23,000 people got away last month that we know of, okay? 23,000 that we know of, okay? If there are additional members of the terror watch list in that pool of 23,000 gotaways, does that mean they're accounted for now? The answer would be no. No, we have no idea where they are. No idea what they're planning. No idea what would be coming our way next. And this is where I'm telling you. Um, we do politics so wrong in this day and age because we don't scale. Like this should be the only thing we're talking about. Not how much you send to Israel. Not how much you send to Ukraine. Uh, what about what we do here? Okay, where people are walking right through the front door of our house and setting up life to do whatever the hell they want to do next. And we're not even discussing the reality, okay, that more people are getting let in at every second of the show. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America Last. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on a Monday. We're going to get some help from Paul Morrow, uh, who, of course, fronts theopsdesk.org, which is as good of a publication as there is when it comes to policing around this country. And, of course, the global war on terror. Paul was the former head 
of the NYPD's Joint Terrorism Task Force that was formed in response to the terror attacks of September 11th. It is unfathomable to him that we have been as derelict in our duty to secure the southern border as we have at a heightened time like the one we find ourselves living in. I mean, really think about in a post-September 11th world, we would not have been willing to let one unknown person cross the southern border from a region of the world that was a breeding ground for terror groups. We wouldn't been have been okay if one person did it. Something you heard Moro say on this show the last time he was on is in 2001, 2002, 2003. If you had somebody at our border that didn't come from a landlocked nation, that wasn't a case of traditional migration where someone was trying to leave a third world country or you know something in South America and get to a better life in America. These were people who had traveled through other means, meaning oftentimes it became necessary to get all of our resources marshaled in the direction of figuring out what this person was up to. Okay, if you are raised in an environment that chants death to America, we want to blow these people off the face of the planet, then someone sailing here from around the world or flying to South America and then journeying a few thousand miles across our border would usually tell us that they were doing so without the best of intentions in mind. Okay, right now we're living in an America where we have tolerated millions of people crossing our southern border and we have we have legitimately tolerated hundreds of thousands of people that have crossed our southern border from countries that wish to do us harm we've been reading those stats at great length so when you see the september numbers get buried on a saturday morning a saturday morning should we say they just don't even want them discussed period okay and those numbers come with the caveat that that doesn't include the twenty three thousand people that got away you realize, like, what we pay for with tax dollars, we're not getting back. You understand? It's like you're prepaying for a pizza, and it's not showing up to the house. You're just out $23.10, okay, plus the tip you gave the guy on the credit card when you ordered the pizza. We have paid tax dollars for border security. Are we actually getting border security? The answer would be no. No, not even close, not even kind of. Okay, and I'm just saying this, it's a danger. Okay, we've talked about it from so many different fronts the humanitarian crisis of people being trafficked into our country, the fentanyl that's led to a record level of poisoning deaths around the country. Okay, but this idea that in a war on terror, we're just like, yeah, you know, what's a big deal? 23,000 military age men get away at the border. What's the big idea? What are you guys all so worked up about? And that's the part that's just so frightening is that you look at those numbers and realize we have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Okay, and that goes for both parties because the Republicans aren't screaming enough about this today either. They're too busy screaming at each other over who the next speaker is going to be. Lawrence is out in New Jersey. He knows things. Lawrence. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing. It's Monday. I was I was hoping to have like a normal news week, but we don't have those anymore. Oh, that, that's sad. <laughs> did, did we ever? I don't, I don't know. know. I, looking back, maybe we didn't. But maybe like the abnormal was a little more doable is what I think it was. But, man, it is it is off the rails. So let's see if you can straighten it out because I can't. Oh, no, I definitely can't straighten it out. I promise you that. <laughs> way to, way to <laughs> manage expectations. Promise. Way to manage expectations. That's the only campaign promise I can keep is I can't straighten it out. I'm like, <laughs> it's like Joe. It's good politics right there. It's good politics, though. Uh, what yeah. do you think? Are you paying attention to the border? I mean, the, to me, that blows my mind. It's a huge deal to me, man, because, um, 
listen, there's a lot of things you can uh, be, you know, that you want to vote about. Um, it could be crime. It could be uh, the economy, inflation. The border security has moved up to the number one spot for me. Well, I mean, I get it. I, I, mean, I, I it just, I, I, it's just, I'm flabbergasted by it. You know, I mean, Joe campaigned on it. He, he that, it, that, that was one of the campaign promises he actually kept. Yeah, it's true. Give him that. that he was going to let people come in. <laughs> he did say that. He he did say, and, you know, um, we could take in seven to ten million people. I mean, he, he did come through on that. Sheesh. Yeah, well, I don't think that's sustainable. And um, obviously, we don't know who's coming in, and they're coming in from everywhere in the world. And um, isn't that crazy though? It just that's it, it's. And here here's here's another thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe something bad, terroristic, isn't going to happen under his watch. Let's let's say Donald Trump wins the next election, or Ted Cruz, or another Republican, and something bad happens. The Republican is going to be the one that gets blamed for it. It's not going to be Joe Biden. Well, yeah, if it happens on their they watch, there's not going to be the interest to go back and figure out how this person came or went. You know, people on the right would try. You know, if heaven forbid it happened, but that's the reality: is that they're more concerned with the political cost than the actual consequence of that person's actions, and that's the scam here. Like when you bury these numbers on a Saturday morning, man, no one is watching news at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. But that's them saying, like, hey, we're going to catch hell if we share these numbers at a time when people are going to see them. And they're looking out for themselves. But it's man, it's man. Like, I remember I'm old enough to remember politicians pretending to care. And I, there was at least some courtesy in them pretending to care, even if they didn't. Isn't it kind of amazed now that they don't even give you the courtesy of pretending? No, they don't. And um I mean, you really got to pay attention to detail. You really got to follow this stuff. Like you mm-hmm. said, Saturday mornings. Are you kidding me? I'm still sleeping one off, you know? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> well, um, I, it's just um, it, they, it they, can't, they can't pull the wool over our eyes. It's just uh, it's, it's really, really hard to fight back against these Democrats. No, it they is. It's together, hard. Man. It is hard. And, but, and you know what? It's not going to be wool. It's going to be some biodegradable fabric. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna pull some climate-friendly fabric over our eyes is what they're going to try to do. Uh, Lawrence, listen, yeah, I want to say something. You lived up to the hype. You said you couldn't solve the problem, and I believe you. This problem <laughs> is very much unsolved. I don't have answers either. I'm going to roll on with the show, but let's do it again sooner, right, brother? All right, take care. Great call. Great call, Lawrence. There he goes. The great Lawrence out in New Jersey. He was up front with us. He said, I'm I'm not solving this mess. You want to know why? Because nobody is. Because when you look out at Washington right now, it is just straight clowns, man. It really is. Okay. The, The southern border, everyone, 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 okay, conflates it. With a Texas issue. Well, it's their problem. They're down at the southern border. It's Arizona's problem. Ah, some parts of California. It's their problem. No, no, because the point is no one shows up at the southern border to stay there. Okay, when they're smuggling people into the country, when they're smuggling drugs into the country, when they're smuggling sex trafficked people into the country, they're not smuggling them in so they can spend the rest of eternity in border towns. Okay, they're smuggling them in with the intention of putting them in every state in the country. That's what happens to the drugs. That's what happens to the crime. That's what happens to the trafficked victims. Okay, but we are so indifferent to the overall effect it has on the country because it's always conflated as a Texas issue. 
And that's what the media likes you to believe. Well, you know, Texas has got to deal with its problems down there. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are, because when Texas starts relocating the problem to other states around the country, all of those sanctuary Democrats who say no human being is illegal, we should be building bridges, not walls, that's what they say. And then when the people who are the excess border crossers get relocated to sanctuary cities, what does every single Democratic leader say? We don't have the infrastructure! My God, it's a crisis! Democrats are so full of crap. Okay, we live in a world where what you say is more important than what you do. It's crazy as it sounds. In the world of modern politics, if you get out there and say the right things, you can get away with just about anything. Take up all the right causes. I support the climate and the vaccine. My pronouns are in my bio. Leave me alone. And for the most part, they will. Okay, you can be out there screaming right now that Hamas is the good guys. You're not getting thrown out of Congress. They're doing it all over Congress on the left. The squad, are you crazy? Okay, what you say is often more important than what you do in the pretend world of digital politics. But what people don't get is the real-life consequences remain the same. So you can say you're empathetic, you support sanctuary cities, we should be building bridges and not walls. But the people who want to do us harm, the people who want to smuggle drugs into the country, the people who want to smuggle other people into the country, see the weakness in our ways. And they have exploited it to the tune of seven and a half million people that we know of that have come into this country. Guys, it's just not sustainable. You understand? We have to pay for that at a time when we can't pay for ourselves. What you don't understand, okay, and a lot of you do, but some of you might not, okay, is every dollar we're spending in this country right now is borrowed, okay? We are either printing money or borrowing money because we're $33 trillion in debt. So if you were to look at a country the way you would look at your own household, whether you got kids or you're single or you're married, you got pets, whatever the heck you got, okay, Every single month, you have X amount of income and Y amount of bills, okay? You've got the income, you've got the bills, okay? You got the rent or you got the mortgage, you dig? Okay, you got the food bill, the gas bill, the car bill, okay, the electric bill, the phone bill. You got to do that stuff, okay? And every month, you take a look at the finances you're bringing in and you try to figure out how to allocate them in a way that'll give you enough income, okay, to cover the bills and hopefully, with any luck, have a couple of bucks left over to go out and have a Saturday night once in a while, or go to a movie, or catch a ball game, or travel, or do what people do for fun, okay? As a government, Understand, we are now looking every single month at a situation where we have X amount of income, but the Y amount of bills is way bigger, way bigger than the income. Okay, we have long since passed the point of pulling in a salary that can pay our bills. We're not doing that. We're borrowing money from China or we're printing more of our own currency, which devalues it in the process, floods the market and creates a scenario where you've got too many dollars chasing after too few goods. That's how inflation got caused in the first place. So you understand if you just look at the country like a house that makes this much and spends that much, okay, if that house suddenly adds seven million more dependents, Okay, to the payroll. That is financial lunacy. But that's what we're doing. It's financial lunacy. Thirty three trillion dollars in debt. I've got it. 
will pay for an additional 7 million people. That's what they're doing right now. Okay, and when you couple that with the fact that we not only have to sustain that economically, but we have to withstand that in terms of the quality of life in this country as it pertains to the drugs coming across the border and, heaven forbid, people who might want to harm us from other sides of the world, you realize, like, what they're committing at the border right now is not indifference, okay? It's like an act of war against our country, the people in charge of protecting our country, Okay, at our southern border aren't doing it. Okay, they are letting in a level of fentanyl that's so insane, it has broken every record we have for drug poisoning deaths, not overdoses. An overdose would imply that someone was a habitual drug user and one day they got a little carried away, next thing you know, they were dead. No, these are poisonings. Kids that are taking a recreational amount of drugs for the first time are dying. Okay, and this is only possible because of the indifference at the border. Okay, military age single men that are coming to our border suddenly, something that was unfathomable 10 years ago, something that wouldn't get you let into the country 10 years ago. It's like, what is this guy doing here coming alone at a military age from a part of the world where they want to help us? We can't let this in. This is illegal. We'll acknowledge that it's illegal. Okay. nowadays they don't acknowledge that it's illegal. They try to hide it behind some type of policy of inclusiveness. And, you know, well, there's climate change is causing people to come here. You know, they're not LGBTQ friendly enough in some of these South American countries. They're coming here for the the woke acceptance that they're getting at our border. Everything woke turns to. If you don't believe that guy, just look around the nearest city you happen to be traveling through and tell me there's one out there. Okay, with these policy. So that's not turning to. Because here's a newsflash, every single one of them is. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Call in now. We're excited to hear from you. Who the f*** is this? This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking with retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow, member of the actual head of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, We're also going to be talking uh, to a gentleman who wants to be the next Republican Speaker of the House. I'm talking about Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hurd, who weighs in from the 1st Congressional District. If you're a KRMG listener down in Tulsa, okay, you're hanging out with Levi May, that fancy outdoor park, uh, you know. You might be familiar with Mr. Hearn's work. Uh, One way or the other, we will get you acclimated in the third hour of the show. Byron Donald's another guy who threw his hat in the ring. We'll be talking about it in the next hour. But right now we're talking border, and I think Ezra has the take. He's down in Atlanta, Georgia. Yo, Ezra! Good afternoon, Jimmy. I hope you had a good weekend, and your son continues to tear up the gridiron, so sounds great. Yep, they're getting it done. So clearly the border Mm -hmm. is a deliberate tactic by the Democrats, and I think they're ultimately going to allow them to vote. And so what if there's a few collateral casualties? They win in their model. Perhaps we should be following the American Indians model of allowing the influx of migration and call it inclusive because that worked out so well for them. Well, right. It, it's, meanwhile, yeah. 9-11 um, is not a question of if, but when. And the FBI acknowledges that they're letting all the, you know, still chasing the Trumpster guys from January 6th. Yep. 
So, you know, what could go wrong? But he's going to set up a training camp right here for these Hamas because he's pointed out that they're not hitting what they're aiming at. Yeah, how about so that line? That <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. It's insane. But you know what the point you make here uh, that I just want to uh, highlight for the audience mm-hmm. is we always attribute this as a failure to protect the country. And then I'm reminded by guys like you again that it's not. It's being done intentionally. OK, what we think is. is a failure to them is a success. They want these numbers. I believe so. Because there's so. no there's no other way you could be this indifferent to what's going on there. And the only reason you've heard any acknowledgement of them wanting to build a wall is obviously they realize the border has become a liability for them politically. Uh, but, you know, they had nothing to say when it was a physical liability for every one of these towns that's been forced to absorb the crime and everything else that comes with it. So it is a scam, right. man. It is. And I, and I appreciate yep. you pointing it out. But I don't know that it changes anytime soon unless the politics force them to change it. So it's too late. Yeah. How do you get everybody back in the, uh, you know, the genie back in the bottle? It's too late. No. They're here. A lot of genies, a lot of bottles. Happy Monday, Ezra. <laughs> that's going to be a fun week. Oh, man. But it's true. Okay, when you look at the numbers that we have, you know, you got to realize whoever the next Republican House Speaker is, like they control the power of the purse. I don't think they understand just what fury awaits them if they fail their party. Okay, Republicans are so disgusted by their party. Now, the border is Biden's failure, and the Republicans did everything they could to enact border security under Trump. In fact, they cut illegal border crossings by 80%. But we're not living in a country right now where people will permit sitting on your hands to the next election. The next speaker gets back the power of the purse if they're not taking drastic measures right away to address this issue and force the administration's hands. People aren't going to take it, okay? It's not It's not the politics of two years ago where we had, like, pretend problems. We were like, ah, Trump's a Russian, and we could all pretend. Wrong. No, now they've actually overrun our border and sent our tax dollars halfway around the world, people are pissed. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are back in action, ready to roll, fired up, big hour, a plus-sized hour, an embarrassment of radio riches, if you will, right here on Fox Across America. Paul Morrow, retired NYPD inspector, former head of the NYPD's Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, He will join us to weigh in on the dereliction of duty at our southern border. Uh, Also going to talk about the White House walking back President Biden's statement about an Israeli ground invasion in Gaza. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. He is in a little trouble. They might have taken away the pudding cup for that one. Uh, But your pudding cup is here. It's ready for you when you need it. Uh, 888-788-9910. Bring a spoon. Don't do the pudding fingers thing like they accused DeSantis of doing. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Never really got into that one. But there was a meme floating around where Trump... Uh, in his camp, accused DeSantis of eating pudding uh, using only his bare hands. This is absolutely gross. Well, it doesn't mean it's true. We have no idea. We're just speculating recklessly at the top of the hour because I'm in a chippy mood. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of this thing. Agree, disagree. Nobody cares. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a... There it is. Bang. Back in action. Okay, so let's talk about this House Speaker thing really quick. Uh, You know, 
we're governed by clowns, and the Republican Party is not exempt. Yes, I hate a lot of the Democratic policies coming our way. I don't think uh, at a time when 30 percent of American school children can read, 30 percent, okay, we are living in the golden age of stupid right now. I love the poorly educated. But at a time when just 30 percent of American school kids can read at a grade level, what are the Democrats telling them to do? Well, what you need is a drag queen in your kindergarten class. But that's what they're getting. They're not getting extra help in math. They're getting Cinnabons, okay? If Junior has two $5 bills and he puts both of them into Cinnabons' G-string, how many $5 bills does Junior have left? That's the kind of math they're learning now. They're teaching about pronouns. They're thinking about teaching their, you know, changing their gender is a big one we're hearing a lot about. And again, we support everybody's right to do whatever the hell they want. I mean, it's the United States of America. If you're above the age of 18... Do whatever the hell you want, okay? I am not in favor of people below the age of 18 choosing a permanent gender reassignment for themselves. Why? Because if you look around right now at the colleges here in this country, what are we being told? Oh, you got to forgive those Harvard kids for saying they're pro-terrorist. They're young. They don't know what they're doing. You know, let them be. You know, they're 20, 21, 19. They just made a stupid decision. You got to let them be. You got to forgive them. That's what they tell you. But at the same time, They want you to empower five-year-olds to make permanent life-altering decisions to their bodies. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Of course it is. But the point I was trying to make, without getting off on a tangent, okay, is that I hate pretty much every policy coming out of the Democratic Party right now. The southern border policy is an abomination. Okay, the Green New Deal, the climate stuff. They're crazy. Not only are they crazy, but they're also completely full of Okay, because the only data we have to support climate change is that the people preaching it are getting rich. Money, 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 money. Okay, but whether it's the border, whether it's education, whether it's weapons, whether it's foreign policy, I hate everything they're doing. Okay, but I would be lying to you if I told you the Republicans are that much better. Republican Party is an embarrassment right now. Okay, we're heading in now. Uh, to another round of speaker votes. We've got nine people supposedly throwing their names forward, one of whom, Kevin Hearn, has time to join the show in the third hour today and will. Okay, but even getting past the speaker, okay, Congress has an approval rating of about 16%, which means pretty much everybody in Washington is a clown. Okay, if you go over to the Senate, does it get any better in the Republican Party? You know who's running the Senate in the Republican Party? Mitch McConnell, okay, and Mitch McConnell is a clown, okay, when he starts talking about, well, you know, we need to keep sending more money to Ukraine, you understand, because it's going to create jobs in this country, and it's good for our bottom line, and blah, 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 okay? These are not policy positions that the majority of rank-and-file voters support. Let me give you, okay, Mitch McConnell, okay, speaking to Margaret Brennan, clip 24. You've said that you believe there is enough oversight of aid to Ukraine. Why hasn't that persuaded some members of the of the Republican caucus? If you look at the Ukraine assistance, let's let's talk about where the money is really going. A significant portion of it's being spent in the United States in 38 different states, replacing the weapons that we sent to Ukraine with more modern weapons. So we're rebuilding our industrial base. That's what President Biden's seeking to do. It's, it's correct. No Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. We're re- rebuilding our industrial base. Uh, the 
Ukrainians are destroying the army of one of our biggest rivals, I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. Okay, fair, except for the fact that we wouldn't have to be replacing our weapons here in this country if we weren't giving them away in the first place. Oh, wow! I don't doubt that war is good for business, and that's why these guys keep voting for more of it. Their kids aren't going to serve. They're going to make a lot of money. But when Mitch McConnell starts giving you, well, you know, the reason we're sending the money to Ukraine is, you know, it's good for business. I mean, he's flat out telling you that. No Americans are getting killed. It's good for business. Let's have war forever. Okay? These are not people that genuinely care. Do you understand? Okay, but that's a Republican. I'm criticizing a Republican for you because I don't get on the air and owe one party my loyalty. Right now, every single one of them in Washington, D.C. sucks. I think he's got a point. Okay, they, they suck. Okay, Liz Cheney, who's just an actual circus clown, she tried making the case that all of this unrest in the speakership uh, is Kevin McCarthy's fault because Kevin McCarthy enabled white supremacists. I'm like, dude, he anti-Semites and white supremacists, she says. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Are the Republicans, you're talking about anti-Semites, are the Republicans the one saying blow Israel off the map? The answer would be no. No, it's all Democrats. Okay, but here's Liz Cheney. I just want you to hear this. There's a reason you're going to have to suffer through some Liz Cheney. Clip 23. I wish that it were surprising. Um you know, what we've seen is a result of really um, the leadership decisions that Kevin McCarthy made all the way back after the 2020 election and certainly after January 6th. And, you know, looking the other way in the face of the kind of assault on our democracy that we've seen uh, from Donald Trump and his allies in the House, including Jim Jordan, elevating uh, those members, um, frankly, uh, some of whom are white supremacists, some of whom are uh, anti-Semitic. Um, uh, a number of whom in, were involved directly in the attempt to seize power um, and overturn the election. So it's, it's, it's not a surprise when you see uh, that those people have been empowered, but, but it's also... It's McCarthy really empowered dangerous. them, right? Exactly. You are so full of sh- Now here it is, okay? She says they're white supremacists and they're anti-Semites. That's what we're going with here. This is totally false. Yeah, whatever. She said it. She can have it, Okay. Here is, I'm going to play you a clip from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. AOC is a dope. Maybe so. But what she's lamenting on MSNBC is that Netanyahu over in Israel has banned two members of, of Congress from ever traveling to Israel. Okay. Notice what both of these two Congress members have in common is their party affiliation. Are they Republican anti-Semites? <laughs> No, they are Democrats. Listen to this. Clip seven. I found it shocking when in 2019 or, or, or 2020, in our first term uh, of the House of Representatives, when a prime minister, Netanyahu, banned two United States sitting members of Congress from coming to Israel, uh, Representatives <laughs> yes. Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, mm. banned two members of the United States yes. Congress from entering the country that my own colleagues did not seem to say or do much of anything. That should be an affront to our entire government and country. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Now, you understand they were banned back then. Could you imagine what the reaction to them would be now? 
where they're still going on TV and claiming with a straight face that Israel blew up the hospital in Gaza. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. So are the people over in Israel, okay? People in Israel do not field a wave of anti-Semitism from the Republicans in the House. They're very much fielding it from Democrats in the House and big academia and their allies in the media. Okay, but I bring it up because this is where we find ourselves now in our politics, okay? People have gotten so wed to the idea and the convenience of confirmation bias, okay? Tell me that how I feel is correct. That's what the phone is designed to do. Your phone is designed to make you feel right about everything, so you'll spend more time looking at advertisements on your phone. That's the phone's job, whether you're looking at, I mean this, okay, whether you're looking at social media, whether you're looking at a sports site, whether you're looking at a news site, whether you're looking at an adult site, okay, every one of those sites is designed to keep you staring at the page for as long as humanly possible so you can consume more advertising that's the point of the phone is to create an endless array of ways to hold you hostage as an advertising demographic that's what it's there to do when people get on tv like liz cheney and say oh the republicans Bunch of white supremacists, anti-Semites. That is a fact check false. Of course it's false, but it doesn't need to be supported by anything because it feeds the audience the confirmation bias that they want. They turn on Liz Cheney, some of them because they have, you know, nostalgia for the Muppets. They miss Kermit the Frog's girlfriend on that show, and there's an easy Liz Cheney tie-in. But a lot of them, okay, are actually just churning it on because they just want to be told they know better. I'm better than these Republicans are racist, anti-Semites. Never mind that my party's got two congresswomen banned from going to Israel because they've been so pro-terrorist over the years. Uh, But it's the Republicans that are bad, see? And we'll move on. And that's what they do. They sell them confirmation bias. And everybody has gotten so wed to this idea of just knowing that they're better than the idiots in the other party that we're engaged in this weird race to the bottom. Because you don't actually need progress as a country to get confirmation bias. In fact, the less progress we make, the better off we're all going to be in both parties because we'll have constant, constant problems to point our fingers at and we'll have other political parties to blame them on. Okay, but the deliverable for all of us is a compromised quality of life in this country. Everything, everything around you is completely going to Okay, the economy, the border, the price of goods. Okay, the price of a mortgage now costs 52% more to own a home than it does to rent a home right now. When you look at the costs, okay, when it comes to mortgages and interest rates and taxes and everything in between, people are getting annihilated, quality of life getting smoked in this country. But as long as we've had somebody to blame it on, we've been like, all right, this is great. Okay, but here's the reality. You know, they say like success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan. Okay, government as a whole is failing us. Okay, whether it's Republican-led government or Democratic-led government. Now, there's no argument. Things were better under a Republican presidency. Okay, when Trump was the president, okay, border crossings were at an 80-year low. Okay, gas was $2 cheaper. Okay, goods, okay, on average were 24% cheaper across the board. We weren't on the brink of three world wars. We didn't leave Afghanistan and leave a terror group in charge of $85 billion worth of our weapons. Things were, as a quality of life goes, exponentially better under Trump than they were under Biden. Okay, but the reality is Biden is in charge now. There's plenty of Republicans out there 
okay, that are a part of this government. And at the end of the day, we're being failed by the government. There's not one wing that's delivering for us. So you can't just say, oh, the Democrats suck as a Republican voter and feel better because the problem's getting worse. You know, just the same as, you know, you can't say it's the Republicans suck as a Democrat. It might make you feel better. But the problems have gotten exponentially worse. Everybody who voted for Biden because they just hated Trump, they just wanted to beat the other side. Congratulations. The good news is you got your way. The bad news is you got your way. Look at the country. It's a disaster. So as we sit here right now talking about a new House speaker, okay, they need to realize whoever this House speaker is, we don't owe them loyalty. They owe us performance, okay? And we're not getting that performance right now. And it's, you know, high time. It is high time we call out the government in both parties for failing. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Maybe they are, but we're just going to keep on yelling. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. The show that's not afraid to tell you the truth. Not only are you not a very nice person, you're also a slob. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking to Paul Morrow here in the next break. Not really an update yet. Today's going to be nominating speeches uh, in the House of Representatives, where about nine people are throwing their name onto the ballot. Uh, Byron Donalds is regular on this show. You might even hear him later in the week. He has thrown his hat in the ring. Here he was laying it down on Fox and Friends weekend. This is clip 21. My pitch is very simple. First, we got to get back to work immediately. We have to get these appropriation bills done. We must secure our border. Uh, If we're going to continue government funding, the border must be secured. And the White House has to realize that and take us seriously. Number two, we have a true ability to expand our majorities past this Congress. We can do that with strong, direct leadership where the White House knows where we stand. The American people see uh, the strategies and the work that the Republican majority is trying to get done. I totally believe that. And number three, we can have unity in our conference. It's going to start with a fresh voice in leadership, working with all of our our colleagues to accomplish the mission that our voters sent here to do. Now, Byron is part of a newer generation of congressmen that actually thinks going to Washington means he needs to do something good for the voters. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get laughed right out of town with that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that was, you know, part of the Jim Jordan strategy is Jordan, uh, who I can tell you from talking to him off the air, genuinely cares about the direction of the country. Jordan would have been a great speaker in that regard. But the problem is they really don't want somebody who is serious about cutting spending or changing all the continuing resolutions. They don't want somebody who's going to refine and reform the appropriations process. Okay, they love the idea of getting a 12,000-page bill the night before the vote and then having to vote on it because it gives them the plausible deniability of saying, I didn't know there was all this pork. I didn't know we passed a... Inflation Reduction Act, and all the money actually went towards climate change and driving up inflation. What a fraud! They like the way they do this now because it, it, it absolves them of actual accountability. 
But the truth is, like somebody like Byron who would want to get in there and change things would be the best person they could appoint based on what I've seen so far. And I only say that for two reasons. One, he is not a status quo swamp sellout. But two is, okay, he is a young, fresh face in our politics at a time when the Republicans really do need Okay, a forward facing posture as a party that is a little more appealing and does have a little more swag. Byron would be great for that. He would be great. And, you know, to be honest with you, every time he enacted a spending cut, the Democrats would still call him racist uh, and it would just be funny to watch it play out. You know, it would kind of take away the lane they have right now with Akeem Jeffries, which is the Democrats trot out a black guy to tell you everything the Republicans are doing is racist. Okay, they wouldn't change that strategy if the Republicans had a black speaker, but we'd get a lot of entertainment out of the reality that every time there was a new appropriations change, they'd have to trot some Democrat out to tell you that the black guy running things was a member of the Klan. It's what they do. It's kind of hilarious. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. The retired NYPD inspector running the Joint Terrorism Task Force for the NYPD. He now runs OpsDesk.org, as good of a publication as there is on crime and punishment and terrorism and everything in between. Paul Morrill back on the show. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? Uh, I got so much for you. Like, we uh, usually talk offline between media hits, uh, you and me, so we're kind of in the loop. But it's it's been a minute, and uh, I got a lot. I'm sorry to make you work today. Usually you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. I know, I know. But you know what, Jimmy? Talking to you is never work. Oh, Moro. like torture. Work in the refs. You stop it. You stop it. Um, This is something I read at Ops Desk last week and meant to text you about after reading it. It was your own report reporting that fueled this uh, line of questioning. So with what's going on over there with Hamas and Hezbollah, it's something that hasn't really been mentioned much in the media. But part of what it sounds like is fueling this indifference, you know, to the the suffering that they're causing is are they they're hopped up on some type of drug uh, that I don't quite understand. Could you kind of give us some background on that? Yeah. So, you know, I I went right to this because I've seen it before. This was the ISIS drug of choice. So short version, the drug called Captagon. And it was created in Germany, not really widely distributed. Somehow or other, Hezbollah got their fingers into it, set up manufacturing in uh, southern Lebanon. And they pretty much exclusively <clears throat> excuse me, control the manufacture and distribution in the Middle East. They apparently have expanded into areas of Syria where they can produce it. But short version is that it's a sort of very cheap super amphetamine. It inures you to brutality. You can stay up for three days, and uh, it creates feelings of euphoria. And ISIS used to give it to their people to keep them fighting for days. A lot of the people who had to go up against ISIS would comment on the fact that their fighters appeared to be tireless. Well, this is why. So when I heard about this operation and the fact that the Hamas fighters appeared to be in a similar condition, it wasn't much of a jump, and now it's starting to come out. It seems that the, you know they're confirming it. How they're confirming it, I would suspect, from the Israeli uh, captures. Uh, mm-hmm. Israelis certainly have taken prisoners. They've probably either done blood work on some of those prisoners, alive or dead, 
or um, they just went through their pockets and they found, uh, you know, instances where they have these pills and they were able to test it and determine that it's Captagon. It's a Hezbollah money machine. They make a fortune. They make more money exporting that from Syria than the nation of Syria has in GDP exports. Wow. So it's a very, very big uh, product in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, in this case, it turns out that Hamas was using it. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy to hear that, though, you know, because they haven't really spent a lot of time on that. There's been obviously a huge back and forth, you know, over who blows up the hospital, which we all know to be Hamas. But the point is, you know, you've seen a lot of that in the media, but you haven't seen like a lot of hyper focus on what exactly is happening. That's why I tell people OpsDesk.org, like for real, though, you know, I, I read that last week. And it really changed my whole thought trajectory when it comes to the border, because here's the deal. I don't know that we have that stuff at the border, uh, but I mean, heaven forbid we do or we have, you know, 23,000 known gotaways in the past month, which is the number they hit us with. Uh, you know, I feel like we've really opened ourselves up to a major blind spot, have we not? It really does feel that way. You know, it, what's different from when I was doing this work, and I wasn't with the Joint Terrorist Task Force. Oh, I right. was with the NYPD Intelligence That's Bureau. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I worked very closely with the JTTF as well. But mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, kind of a slash uh, rivalry, but also cooperative agencies, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. the long story short is I was in a different federal task force. But mm-hmm. when we were doing this work, the idea that somebody coming up through the border – that had not been uh, scraped in any way by the USG, the U- U.S. government, yeah. um, and had no friction on them coming in. Generally, anybody coming into the country, you have two major winnowing processes before they hit the border, right? Mm-hmm. You have the visa. They're going to have to get a visa generally if it's a visa nation, and then they're going to get uh, hit by U.S. Customs on the way in. And that's where you collect biometrics. you got the passport and everything else. When I was doing this work, if you had somebody here that there was just no record of how they got in, mm-hmm. and the reporting that we were getting is that this person is here, let's say, from Syria, and seems to have a real gripe against uh, the American government, and we can't figure out how he got here, and we don't know who he is, that would have been a major spin-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would have been deploying resources all over the place because you're halfway to a very troublesome threat. Yeah, And the idea now... So we have 169 individuals who are already recognized as a danger because they're on the terrorist watch list mm-hmm. and that we they showed up at the border. And we are letting them into the country, paying their way to the nation's biggest terror targets, our cities, particularly mm-hmm. New York City, mm-hmm. and housing them and giving them every accoutrement. Well, we're doing it to ourselves, and we're really, really inviting in trouble. And what people don't realize is that our adversaries in this situation have a significant presence in Latin America. You've got the tri-border region. I have an article up on foxnews.com that lays this out mm-hmm. right now, in fact. You've got the tri-border region, which is Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina, utterly lawless. The most coherent entity in the tri-border region mm-hmm. is Hezbollah. That's insane. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're there. The former vice president of uh, Venezuela is a Persian. He is uh, his ancestry goes back to the Middle East. He is a designated drug kingpin. The U.S. government wants him. And one of the reasons they want him to prosecute is for providing false passports for ready for it. Hamas and Hezbollah. That is and that's right off our southern border. And remember, Venezuelans are a significant portion of who's been coming into the southern border. So the idea that, well, you know, these are not places that we have to worry about that's a complete canard. 
We have this soft white underbelly that we're not paying attention to. There's a reason Iran has opened six new embassies since 2006 in Latin America. They recognize that it's a way to bottle us up and to get to us, and Iran sees itself as punching at that weight. And that's why they were willing to go ahead with this Hamas thing, yeah. because they do not want to lose that stature in the Middle East. Wow, that is crazy. We're talking to retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow. You can check out more of his writing at OpsDesk.org. Well, one thing I can tell you about the border is you know there are good numbers uh, when the CBP is releasing the border data on a Saturday morning, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, like, we've heard of burying it on a Friday, okay? But Saturday morning is next level. Like, at Friday, there's at least a courtesy dump. There is technically a news cycle going on. But on a Saturday morning, I mean, why even release them at all? I, I know. And the only people watching TV on a Saturday morning are the kids watching cartoons. And Thank they're not you. that worried about the border. It's true. That's <laughs> nuts, man. But I keep watching this play out. Uh, it's, you know. Between what's happening there, what's happening here, and, you know, the White House is walking back Biden, which, you know, we're kind of used to that at this point. But it's really hard to see where the other side of the world takes anything we're doing serious. Like when you're, you know, when, you know, Biden is essentially pledging his undying loyalty to the Hatfields while giving $100 million in aid to the McCoys. Is it hard for the either side to take him serious? I think it is. And. You know, so reportedly now the dynamic is that he's trying to convince Bibi not to go in. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I'm hearing from some Israeli sources that I have from my old days, Bibi is apparently somewhat reticent to go in. Bibi has a um, a, char- a mischaracterization as a warmonger. It's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually very gun shy. He, he yeah, you know, for all his faults, and I'm not defending the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people have a lot of issues with him, but. This is not really in his character. He doesn't want to do this, and there's going to be Israeli uh, casualties. He knows that, and he's in a precarious political situation here as it is. Mm -hmm. So together with Biden apparently leaning on him along with the the foreign policy brain trust that gave us the Afghan pullout, (laughs) there is – it seems to me somewhat of a stall in Israeli operations here. They're hammering Gaza from the sky. Yeah. But to me, that looks worse. It's more indiscriminate. Yeah. Ultimately, they're going to have to go in. Everybody knows it. And, uh, you know, I just hope they go in at a time of their choosing. But you're right. I mean, we all know that aid to Gaza really means aid to Hamas. Mm-hmm. Um, new reporting is that the Hamas fighters were a promised an apartment and $10,000 for every Israeli that they took prisoner. That's insane. Um so that's new. I mean, you know, I'd like to see it corroborated, but it tracks to what we've seen before where they pay the um, families of suicide bombers. Mm-hmm. Look, if you track it back far enough, that money comes from us. Yeah. And we are giving money to these places for supposedly humanitarian reasons. You know, it's like Live Aid. I'm yeah. uh, old enough to remember Live Aid. We give, you know, billions to help alleviate African hunger. Mm-hmm. And it all went to the same kleptocrat families in five different countries who stole it all and it never got down to the ground level. Yeah, but at least they and got it was a- because nobody wanted to get into the nuances of it, but really to recognize that throwing money at things is not always going to be the best way to fix them. So are you saying this Biden policy would be more forgivable if we got a concert out of it like we did with Live Aid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I would, uh, I'm sure that would really alleviate it. We do it in Gaza. In fact, yeah, that'll go far. You know, Gaza loves all of our pop artists. Yeah, I mean, it's Centella Swift. That'll, that'll clear things. <laughs> Listen, our pop artists love Gaza. I mean, Hollywood is cheering this stuff on right now. I don't you know, think anybody right, knows. Go ahead. That's 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 a good point. You know, because. 
they're all cheering for this stuff. You know, these people mm. want to fight with the cops down out in Brooklyn, you know, mm-hmm. that they're riding, you know, on the campuses, they're drawing swastikas, they want to fight the man and all this. I don't see too many of them signing up for a one way ticket to Gaza. No. no. You, know, <laughs> you know, these are all armchair heroes here. You know, they they can fight with the police who they know are gonna be restrained, who are on camera, who by yeah. definition can't really fight back. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, fight, 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 you know, be sure. But, you know, in a real fight, they're going to be, you know, okay, I'll hold your coat. Nope. So <laughs> I, I really uh, – it's, it's it's really hypocritical. And, it's, and look, it's, it's tragic, man. This thing's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And the Israelis are going to get themselves into a situation here that they know well, mm-hmm. that they've been through before and don't want, which is occupying Gaza. Yep. I mean, and that's, and that's the reality. They don't want to be in that. It's a horrible – anybody who has ever seen is a film that really lays it out, The Battle of Algiers. It's about mm-hmm. the French occupation of – Algeria. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's not familiar with what this feels and looks like should watch that film. It was filmed uh, using the real uh, fighters from Algeria who fought against the French, and you can see how problematic it is. It's going to be a, and that's the thing I think more than anything that mm-hmm. the Israelis fear. Not even the ground war, mm-hmm. but now what? What do you do afterwards? Yeah, after you're done with it. Um, well, you certainly don't go to any Oscar parties in Hollywood because you're banned for sticking up for Israel. That's uh, right. What a dumb time to be alive. Uh, you've, you've confirmed my suspicion that we are still living in the dumbest of times. So congratulations. Mission accomplished as That's always. what I'm here for, sir. <laughs> the great Paul Morrow. Thanks, brother. I'll see you soon. All right, buddy. There he goes, my man, Paul Morrow. Check out his writing. It's opsdesk.org. There are so many takes on this Middle East conflict and the way terrorism, you know, makes its way to our southern border and everything in between uh, that he was on the front lines of dealing with in the aftermath of 9-11. And it really gives you a fascinating take into that because it's apolitical, okay? He's not saying, well, you got to do this at the border because, you know, there's an election coming up, and if you're in the House of Representatives, that's not what he's doing. He is not out there with the luxury of politics uh, to preface his actions. He's out there calling bulls and strikes, and when it comes to this country right now, uh, the guys pitching are throwing a lot of bulls when it comes to solving our problems every time Biden opens his mouth. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Supposed to speak with Kevin Hearn in the next hour. He is a candidate for House Speaker in the Republican Party. We still don't have one right now. Uh, There's going to be some nominating speeches later in the day. And then we will figure out, uh, in the immortal words of Axl Rose, where do we go now? Uh, right right now for me and you, a uh, little radio time. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of this thing. Uh, there's a briefing going on at the White House. Nothing noteworthy to report yet. Israel still working on a ground invasion, the hullabaloo surrounding Biden. Uh, Let me give it to you with Peter Ducey, just putting it in full context. The White House is claiming Biden didn't hear the question about whether or not Israel would delay a ground invasion until all the hostages were out. Now, Biden said that they would, yes, delay the invasion. The White House now saying that's not the case. Uh, So just a little bit of a mess. Uh, Clip two. There was some real confusion here on the Biden beat as the president, who publicly supports whatever Israel wants to do against Hamas, appeared to confirm reports that privately he is telling the Israelis 
to pump the brakes. How was your call with the American? But no, now the White House says the president was far away. He didn't hear the full question. The question sounded like, would you like to see more hostages released? He wasn't commenting on anything else, which is kind of puzzling because he could apparently hear the first question just fine. <laughs> it's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. That's not the best clip in the world, but basically they asked Biden, uh, and I could hear it clearly, uh, you know, should they delay the ground invasion until they get we get the four hostages back? He says yes. The White House then claims the question sounded like, would you like to see more hostages released, is what they're trying to say now. Uh, listen, man. That is a lie. We know it's a lie. Biden's a mess. Biden doesn't necessarily speak for the government. Like, he'll get out there and say something, and then they walk him back. We see it in the transcripts all the time. And the issue here is, you know, I don't begrudge him the physical state he finds himself in because it could happen to any one of us. You know, the difference is we probably won't be in charge of the country at the time we're going through this. You know, when the world respects nothing more than strength, nothing more, that's all they get. They don't care about diplomacy or your coexist bumper stickers. They don't care that we have Pride Month 11 months out of the year. Uh, they don't care about any of these social justice initiatives we've been pushing in this country. But they do absolutely respect strength, okay? But are we projecting strength on the world stage when the president gets walked back every time he opens his mouth? The answer would be no. No. They don't see strength out of the White House. It's part of the reason why they're emboldened to the extent that they am, that they are anyway, is because they don't look at this White House and go, well, we better not mess with them. <laughs> better not mess with the people sending all the money to Iran. Okay, sending all the money to Gaza. I mean, that's the reality, okay, is at a time when the White House is publicly, to its credit, saying we'll do whatever Israel wants, we support whatever actions Israel takes, we are simultaneously funding the other side of this thing. So, yeah, we've got their back, but your tax dollars are paying for both sides of the conflict, and that's why you've wind up in the position that you find yourself in now, which is really hard to take any of our leadership seriously. Okay? When you realize that right now, okay, whether you're talking about Ukraine and Russia— Okay, we are fun, funding both sides of that inadvertently. Our energy policy has enriched Putin and bankrolled this entire invasion into Ukraine. Simultaneously, we're sending a gazillion dollars over to Ukraine. And when we fund both sides of these wars, we eventually, you know, ruin these towns and then we go and make money rebuilding these towns. You know, it's good business, good for the bottom line. But in terms of our standing in the world, in terms of people taking our leadership seriously and respecting it, we do like uh, look like a nation that's run by circus clowns. Uh, that's not going to change between now and the top of the next hour. But we are going to give you uh, a missive from the people in Hollywood that will make you feel a lot better about your own intelligence. You might be having a rough Monday. You might have made some dumb decisions this weekend. But at least you didn't sign this Hollywood petition we're about to lead off with. So don't go anywhere. We'll discuss it next on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Here we go. Here we go. Back in action. Big hour. 
coming up on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking to Kevin Hearn, a guy who has thrown his hat in the ring to be the next Speaker of the House. What an idiot. Oh, I don't know that he's an idiot. I know that he's one of several idiots. Uh, there's nine people vying for this thankless gig right now. Uh, it currently has the shelf life of a carnival goldfish. People aren't lasting very long in the position. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, of course, was the speaker until the one-vote threshold chased him out of town. Get him out of here. Get him out. That's what they said. But then in came Steve Scalise, threw his hat in the ring, was out of there within 24 hours. Uh, Jordan took three cracks at it before they removed him on a secret ballot on Friday. That's just how white folks will do you. Well, as one of the white folks later confessed on this show, it was Friday. And they wanted to go drink beer and watch college football. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. That's who runs the government. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to ruin my weekend coming up with a house speaker. There's a game on. There's a fishing hole. And away they all went. Okay, well, here we are again today back in action. It is Monday. Uh, My goodness gracious, the uh, new candidates. It's nine lawmakers that we've heard of. Uh, include Jack Bergman of Michigan, Byron Donalds of Florida, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, Dan Moiser of Pennsylvania, Gary Palmer of Alabama, Austin Scott of Georgia, Pete Sessions of Texas. So nine guys throwing their hat in the ring. Uh, Representative Mike Flood of Nebraska introduced a unity pledge which is similar to what they do in these GOP presidential debates. Hey, if you're going to be in this thing, you've got to pledge your unity to whoever the future nominee winds up being. Now, so far, not everybody's wanted to sign that, including Byron Donalds, uh, who we are told now he did finally sign it, uh, will ultimately come around to sign it. He did not want to initially. Um, And the reason being is, you know, there's a real division within the House of Representatives right now. There is like a serious division where several factions of the caucus do not like each other. There's the Gates wing, where they're just trying to be Instagram influencers. And to be clear, Gates is sticking up for some reforms that we actually do support. Uh, But then there's every other wing, the establishment wing. There's obviously what Jordan ran into, which is he has the Trump endorsement, uh, but he does not have the support of most of the House Because at the end of the day, they don't really want to reform the way they're doing business. They want to stick with the status quo and make it look like, eh, we'd love to, but our hands are tied. This is politics as usual. Remember this. Politicians don't want to solve problems. They want to run on them. One of the funniest things uh, that ever happened, and maybe funny for the wrong reasons, but Donald Trump, if you remember, he ran on, we're going to replace and repeal Obamacare. But that was the gig. We're going to replace and repeal Obamacare. And Trump made it his first domestic priority when he got sworn into office. The first thing they did is they ran out to replace and repeal Obamacare. But what Trump learned instantaneously, okay, and this was his naivete in coming to Washington for the first time, is that every single Republican in Congress that had spent eight years running on replace and repeal Obamacare didn't actually have a plan to do so when they actually got the majorities back. That's what happened. Trump was like, oh, we're going to replace and repeal Obamacare. Surely all of these Republicans that have been running for eight years in their districts on replacing. Nope. No, ma'am. They did not have a plan. Okay. And that's where we find ourselves now in this moment for House Speaker. 
They're like, no, no, chaos in the House, the power of the purse, midterm elections, give us back the House of Representatives. We gave the Republicans back the House of Representatives, not quite with the red wave they had predicted. But lo and behold, okay, they don't have a speaker right now, and they don't have a concrete plan on how to go forward and get us one. The only plan they had headed into this weekend was a plan to watch football and drink a ton of beer. Now they come back at this with a unity pledge. I mean, where was the unity pledge last week? I think he's got a point. Maybe the week before that. I think he's got a point. (laughs) These pledges, it's, you know, it's a sham. It's a circus act. It's symbolic. And they want to make it look like, oh, no, you don't understand. This party is totally with it. We're all on board. Come on. Don't bullshit me. No, they just recognize that it's becoming a political liability for them as a party to look as wildly out of touch and as out of sync as they do. Okay, thankfully, they have other things going for them right now in the Republican Party, mainly the fact that none of them are endorsing Hamas. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, what the Democrats are doing right now, I mean, man, you talk about weapons grade stupid. And they're now lined up with a new missive out of Hollywood that I just found so funny. But this is the reality of the time we're living in. Okay, dozens of Hollywood actors, it was 51 of them uh, or 52 of them in total, signed a letter calling for peace between the Israeli and Palestinian people. They want to cease fire right away. We ask that as president of the United States, Joe Biden call for an immediate de-escalation and ceasefire in Gaza and Israel before another life is lost. More than 5,000 people have been killed in the last week and a half. A number of any person of conscious knows is catastrophic. We believe that all life is sacred, no matter faith or ethnicity, and we condemn the killing of Palestinian Israeli civilians. Okay, there's only one small problem. Okay, as the letter continues, we urge your administration, all world leaders, to honor all the lives in the Holy Land, call for and facilitate a ceasefire without delay, an ending to the bombing of Gaza and the safe release of hostages. It all sounds great, but what they don't get is Hamas doesn't want this, too. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Okay, they think they're doing this on behalf of Hamas. They're like, well, it's ethnic genocide. What's going on in Palestine? No, it's not. Okay, the people of Palestine, the people of Gaza that are vowing to wipe Israel off the face of the earth... Okay, they are the concern in this moment. They don't want a two-state solution. They want a no-Israel solution. That is correct. But this Hollywood mindset steps from left-wing ideology that comes from big academia, something I will give Bill Maher credit for discussing over the weekend. Here is Bill Maher explaining how college is now having the reverse effect. Clip 8. And finally, new rule as an Ivy League graduate who knows the value of a liberal education, I have one piece of advice for the youth of America. Don't go to college. (laughs) And if you absolutely have to go, don't go to an elite college, because as recent events have shown, it just makes you stupid. (laughs) I admire your honesty. Okay, and it does just make you stupid. Okay, first of all, you're stupid to take on that level of debt because uh, oftentimes they're selling you a degree that doesn't have a commensurate job program. But second of all, they're not teaching you how to think. They're now teaching you what to think. And often what they want you to think is that America is bad, we're oppressors, you know, we're committing a genocide in Israel with design, none of which is true. But you're going to plunge yourself a half a million dollars into debt to believe all of these falsehoods. Okay, here's a little more Bill Maher, clip nine. 
I actually believe them that they didn't read the letter closely. I think they scanned it, said it was blaming Israel, and went back to surfing TikTok. <laughs> because college life today is a day spa combined with a North Korean re-education camp. It's a daycare center with a meal plan, except the toddlers can fire the adults. The fact that college presidents, who usually love to speak out about anything, couldn't find their voice to condemn the worst attacks in the Holocaust is a lot about who really controls colleges and why, if ignorance is, is, is a disease, Harvard Yard is the Wuhan wet market. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay, but Harvard, again, is no different than anybody signing these petitions uh, in Hollywood. They're the ones who want to believe they're self-righteous and just and they know better than you do. So they want to call a ceasefire because a ceasefire oh, it looks so empathetic. You know, we just that's it. Time was Hamas could paraglide into a rave, kill everybody there, take them hostage, behead the babies. And you didn't retaliate. I mean, think of it this way. Israel has a population of seven million people. OK, when you start to hear numbers in the thousands of people killed by Hamas, you realize proportional to their population, this was bigger than the terror attacks of 9-11. Okay, if someone would have told you a public-facing figure in the aftermath of September 11th that we were just supposed to take the punch and shut up and move on for humanitarian purposes, okay, are you, we would have, are you kidding me? We would have been like... Are you stupid or something? Okay, that would have been the end. Okay, there was no world where we were going to be like, no, no, yeah, no, we'll just take the hit. No, no, Hamas wants to just come in and kill 1,400 people. No, that's not a big deal, you know? I didn't like the music at that rave. I mean, do you realize what they're asking for here? They're asking for Israel to just abide what's happening to their citizens, which no self-respecting nation ever could, number one, but no self-preserving nation ever could when you've got people vowing to wipe you off the face of the earth. The last time Israel negotiated a ceasefire with Hamas, do you know what Hamas did? They spent the time and the Iranian money they got their hands on preparing the very attacks that have put us at the precipice of World War III. We are where we are because the last ceasefire wasn't so much a ceasefire so much as it was a timeout where Hamas could regroup and train for their next biggest attack. And that's the biggest problem in Hollywood right now is when you read people talking about we need a ceasefire. Understand, these are people who are stupid. Hollywood actors are famous because they hit the genetic lottery. Okay, they are so good looking. You're willing to pay $20 for a popcorn to watch them recite the words that were written by an ugly person. Okay, I'm one of the show ponies that hangs out in those writer's rooms. Trust me, the people they're putting on camera are a lot better than the guys like me that are writing for them. Okay, but the reality is they go on TV to all kinds of acclaim and notoriety, and they think that that visibility entitles them to some say into how we conduct public events. It doesn't. These people have no idea what they're talking about. It's the same idiots who told you we needed to be building bridges and not walls when Trump got into office and wanted to build a wall. And what did they all do at the end of the Oscars when they were done cheering for bridges and not walls? They all went home to their walled-in compounds. Bingo. Okay, do you think any Hollywood uh, celebrity out there saying build bridges, not walls, has a bridge onto their property where just anybody can come in at any hour of the night for any reason whatsoever? Do you really think that's the case? The answer would be no. Of course not. But that's why they're so laughably stupid, okay, because it's the same 
type of mindset of we know better than you that entitles them to take an aerial view of a conflict in which they have very little background as to what's actually happening on the ground. Okay, when you hear about, you know, high casualties, civilian casualties in Gaza, that's because Hamas wants them. That's unfortunate. That is a reality as they put all of their military installations in heavily crowded areas. Okay, that's what they want. So they can then come back at Israel and go, look at all the civilian casualties. This is a genocide. But, oh, I don't know. Were the people who committed the genocide launching paragliding attacks into Gaza last weekend? The answer would be no. No, Israel was having a dance party. Okay, Hamas paraglided in with military help, missiles, weapons, some of some of which seem to have been purchased on the black market from North Korea, used them against Israeli civilians. Okay, but whenever somebody like Hollywood, whenever somebody like the elitists at Harvard get out there and give a speech about how we need to be running the world, all they're actually highlighting in the process of just how out of touch they are with the world the rest of us live in. He knows what he's talking about. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking with Oklahoma Representative Kevin Hearn, who's joining us uh, in the next break. He has thrown his hat in the ring to be a Speaker of the House. There's eight other people running, including our good friend Byron Donalds. Uh, we don't know what direction this is going to head in, uh, but we do know Kevin Hearn uh, did own 18 McDonald's. 18 McDonald's. And McDonald's sounds great right now. You're killing yourself the way you eat. you fat f- Look at you. I'm always hungry. What do you want from me? Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see what he has to say about how to distinguish himself from everybody else in Washington, because this thing is getting real contentious real quick. OK, here is Jake Tapper. I try not to play too many CNN clips on the show. CNN is the worst. OK, but I'll give them credit if they do something right. But here's Tapper talking to Representative Mike Turner about what a food fight this has become. It's clip 22. I really uh, hope in the next several days as we come together as a Republican caucus, that we're able to resolve that so that we go unified to the House floor and deliver a speaker. I hope you don't take this personally, but do you guys have any idea how clownish you look? Well, you know, Jake, I'm, I'm very fond of saying that um, Congress is a light like high school, but even more so. So um, hopefully we'll get past this. And, um, you know, I certainly have been part of the governing majority, and uh, I'm going to stay part of that and look forward to those who are on the fringes hopefully coming together so that we can get uh, a speaker. I said that to Congressman Womack last week, high school, and he said that that's an insult to high school students. It's more like junior high. <laughs> so silly. Uh, one way or the other. Okay, and that's Tapper getting his dig in because he wants you to believe he's a hard-hitting journalist. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Okay, but he's, you know, not wrong to say the Republicans look a little chaotic and ridiculous in the moment. Now, if they solve it this week, politically, the concern is really not what happens in the next week. Okay, if they wield the power of the purse, uh, they change the appropriations process, you know, we go about a adequate means of funding this government instead of 11th hour shutdown deadlines, you know, that coincide with 12,000 page views. Nobody actually reads. If they made legitimate changes that people could get behind, it won't matter that the Republicans went two weeks or three weeks or four weeks without a speaker. Okay. 
But in the short term, they do look like a bunch of bananas right now. Okay, because it doesn't look like anyone is any closer to emerging with this speakership in hand anytime soon. We know we have nominating speeches tonight, and then we know everybody heads out to the TV to make the case and try to convince supporters and everything in between, but I don't know that anyone's going to be convinced. Like, I think rank-and-file Republicans loved the voters, loved, loved the idea of Jim Jordan being the next speaker. But when you looked around Washington, D.C., everybody who was a uniparty Republican looked at the Jim Jordan speakership and were like, hell no. We ain't doing that. Wait, what? Reforms? Stop it. We're not. Are you crazy? We're not doing that. And that was the end of it. And they passed a secret ballot to throw him out of the nominating process. In my opinion, that sucked. Okay, especially because it sucked on a Friday when everybody was just trying to get home to get drunk and watch college football. And they pretty much admitted to it on the show. Bingo, man. Bingo. So. Where this goes is anybody's guess, okay? But I have been taking great pains over the last two weeks to remind everybody listening uh, that one of the things that makes this show work is that it is a talk show. I am not an activist masquerading as a talk show host. I don't get on the air and go, well, you got to vote Republican. That's not my job, man. I'm just giving you a take on the world. Right now, the Democrats suck. The Republicans suck just, you know. Just a little bit less. Just a little bit. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's the best compliment I can give them. They're terrible. They're not good. They're terrible. Okay? But they need to be called out for it, or things don't get better in this country. If you just get on the air every day and you're like, I'm going to beat the Democrats, great. Everybody who listens agrees with you, and they want to beat the Democrats. But nothing actually improves in the country. So when we get on the phone, we actually have to call balls and strikes. Sadly, there are a lot more balls than strikes being thrown in our politics right now. We'll see if Kevin Hearn can help the pitching staff regain their control in the House of Representatives. He joins us next on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Coming to you live as we do every day from the greatest country in the world. They say America is like the Michael Jordan of countries. Well, it very well seems like that awkward phase where Jordan has quit the NBA and he's playing minor league baseball for some reason. I don't know how we got where we are, but we do need to turn it around. And joining us now is one of the candidates. Oh, did we lose him? There he went. We were bringing him on. Now he's gone. That's how much of a mess the country is. I was about to stick the landing on a Michael Jordan analogy to the next House of Representatives speaker. And lo and behold, he's not even there in the moment. My goodness gracious. What the hell is the world coming to? Live radio. You got to love it. Well, joining us now on the line, and we can confirm he is there. Uh, He is a superstar candidate to be the next speaker of the house uh if you're listening on krmg down in tulsa you're all too familiar with congressman kevin hearn hey man how are you i'm doing well talking to people and uh looking forward to the night and getting the vote on tomorrow well the vote on tomorrow now i heard something strategically that i respect uh i heard uh and you can confirm or deny this report Uh, that you drew on your experience as the owner of multiple McDonald's franchises and very well may have attached a McDonald's cheeseburger uh, to your overture to potential voters. Is that true? 
you know, there's all kinds of things going up here, and uh, you know, to win the hearts and minds of my fellow Americans, and uh, yes, cheeseburgers were part of that. Uh, <laughs> part of that <laughs> the cheeseburger caucus. Well, listen, in radio, that would buy you a lot of currency. Like I know, I know hosts whose shows you haven't even appeared on who heard the cheeseburger gambit and are probably stumping for you at the national level right now. So, well played. Not well, a, people, you know, you know, the fastest way to any politician is through their stomach, right? <laughs> well, I will say this, though, man, and, and it really does matter because highlighting the fact that you were running as many of these businesses as you were kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, you are uniquely qualified to be wielding the power of the purse in the House, no? Well, certainly, and you look at uh, what I did not only with the 24 McDonald's that I had there in eastern Oklahoma, but also on the national level for 3,500 franchisees. And we went through the same thing we're seeing in the House right now back in the early 2000s where McDonald's thought they were too big to fail, and we had the inward fighting, franchisees all over the country. I was asked by my peers to start trying to rebuild that. It took me nine years working along 25 other franchisees out of 3,500, and we got on a pathway that in 2016 when I resigned from that role, um, I, we had the strongest year we'd had in the history of the company because we were all pulling on the same road you know, rowing in the same boat, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do here, but it's just much smaller. We have 200 members here, same thing, represent all the country. And all they're doing is trying to represent, uh, you know, they're the CEOs of their districts back home. Mm -hmm. And when you get, you know, 220 CEOs in a room and you try to tell them what to do, it's it's very difficult. And that's that's what this job is, is about. And I did that for, you know, almost 16 years. Wow. Congressman Kevin Hearn is on the line from the great state of Oklahoma. Um, Given that we're, you know, 31, 32, 33 trillion dollars in debt. Uh, should the next House Speaker actually bring back a dollar menu to Congress? <laughs> I like how you think. I really do. I'm trying to help out here, man. I'm trying to help out. Uh, well, this is, I think, what the what the short term challenge is going to be. We've got nine people in the race right now. And, uh, you know, I believe when it was you, Jordan, and Scalise, potentially, you kind of took a step back from that race and thought maybe the party was a little too divided in the moment. Uh, Are we any less divided now, or are you just looking out at this thing like, we need a speaker, and it might as well be me? Well, I think if you go back to that first week, which now was three weeks ago, um, you know, Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, uh, and Kevin McCarthy all came in in 2006, you know, had, Mm -hmm. you know, 16, 17 years under their belts. Uh, we're, we're the most, you know, uh, experienced, if you will, politically to be in that role. Mm-hmm. And as I talked to members, I called almost 200 members personally over a four-day period. They wanted unity. They wanted, uh, they were concerned about this prince-to-king politics movement, this ascension to the throne, if you will. And they wanted to put policy over the personalities that were going on in the Republican conference. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I looked at that and I said, well, the fastest way to unity is only have two people in the race. And so I stepped aside thinking we could get there that week. Mm-hmm. And then as things evolved and we got through last week and, you know, Steve didn't do it and Jim didn't get it, that here we are. And so it would be a natural for me, to, since I was involved in that first week, to be in the race. I was the first to announce to get into the race as soon as we came out of the conference. And uh, we're going full-throated on, on winning this. And you know, feel really good about all the calls I've made. I've talked to about 190 members in, mm-hmm. since Friday evening, all through the weekend, and up to the wee hours of the night. And you know, been up since three o'clock this morning, uh, talking to folks like yourself all across America to to listen to what people have to say. Well, no, we love that, and we appreciate you giving us a minute of your time. I guess from a tactical standpoint, I should ask though, if the nominating speeches come and go tonight, and you're not any closer to 217 votes or whatever the number is. Uh, is there a point where you will get McNuggets involved and not just cheeseburgers? 
Well, you know, I've had uh, the Hamburglar here and uh, Grimace, you know, roaming through the Capitol, and so that was a big hit you know, a few months ago. So we'll we'll bring in all of the characters because there's, enough, there's a lot of characters up here too. Listen, if I see that McDonald's orange drink involved, I'll know things are getting heavy. I will know things are getting heavy. Well. Listen, man, you got your work cut out for you. Uh, the country really does need real prudent leadership in this moment. And, you know, we need fiscal responsibility. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge going forward is with such slim majorities, uh, assuming you get your hands on this gig, uh, we're certainly wishing you the best of luck. Is it possible to get this party to play team ball? Because the Democrats, for whatever we think of them and we hate their policies, they do vote as a team. Uh, is there a world out there where somebody can get the Republicans to vote as a team again? I believe so. You know, I'm chairing the Republican Study Committee, which is the largest group of Republicans on Capitol Hill. It's 176 mm-hmm. members out of 221, so 80% of the entire Republican body. And I've been chair of that since we've been in the majority in January. Mm-hmm. And we have in our membership, we have from the hardest ride of the Freedom Caucus to the most moderate of the problem solvers and everything in between. And every single week I have the ability to listen, to dialogue with everybody. We have weekly meetings, you know, create policies together that we all agree on as we move forward. So I believe I'm in the best shape of anybody when you combine that with my outside experience. Also, there will be nobody else in the race with the experience that I have um, outside of, you know, you know the, the people that are here that's been in politics for a long time. Fair. Uh, and what are, uh, are, are there any discussions at all about the basically the one vote threshold, which is ultimately how we got into the situation we're in? Are there any talks about shelving that going forward? Or is the next speaker expected to just shoulder that burden uh, when they get into office? Well, certainly it, to, to get through, you know, get the speaker's uh, seat, we're going to have to leave it as it is. Okay. Once we get done, if the, if the will of the membership is, is to revisit that, then we will certainly do so. You have to remember mm-hmm. it was in place for almost 218 years yeah. prior to Speaker Pelosi coming in. She changed it to protect herself from you know, being basically vacated. And then whenever Speaker McCarthy came in, that was part of the negotiations he gave up to be Speaker. So, you know, it's only been in back in play. It was was taken away for four years under Speaker Pelosi. She took it away with her body. And now we got to put it back. It'll be a member-driven decision. And certainly if that's what the members want to do, we'll put it on the floor. All right. Perfect. Well, listen, we're certainly wishing you the best of luck. And I have an affinity for your district. I spend a lot of time in Tulsa because we're on KRMG down there. My only complaint about your district, for real, is nobody in your district, when they say they're offering to buy you a beer, they're actually offering to buy you 100 beers. And you don't know that. You know that? You're like, I'm like, yeah, I'd love you. Buy me a beer. That'd be great. Thank you. But then I always wind up like pledging a fraternity by the end of the night or something. So, <laughs> Well, you know, hey, uh-huh. we're opportunistic, right? And that, that's, uh, that's really great about Oklahoma. All right. Well, listen, if the McNuggets don't work, I'm going to send some KRMG listeners to pass out beer on your behalf. That's the next uh, plan. I love it. Great love stuff. It. Best of luck to you, brother. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Be well. There he goes. Representative Kevin Hearn from the 1st Congressional District of Oklahoma. Yes, all you KRMG maniacs uh, who I got to hang out with this time last year. We went to see the big driller, the big oil guy, and we watched some high school football. And uh, there was a horrific amount of beer served. Like, it's one, again, and I've had this complaint about East Texas. Me, We're going back to East Texas in December. I'm bringing my son uh, back to East Texas. That's stupid. 
Use your common sense. No, it's not. They're fine people, but they don't know the difference between hospitality and a hazing ritual. And no one in good conscience is ever buying you. When they say, can I buy you one beer? What they're really saying is, can I be the reason you got a face tattoo at the end of the night tonight? Can I be the reason Fox isn't putting you on TV for a good 72 hours when you get back from our town because you're still not sober yet? They get rowdy. Down in Oklahoma, one, just the way they do in East Texas. But I will say this about Kevin Hearn, okay, and anybody who wants to take the gig. If you can get the party to play team ball, which I haven't seen an ability to do that, okay, there are plenty of things you could say in this world about Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Some people might feel that way. But when it comes to getting the party to play team ball, she's actually phenomenal at it. Okay, the reason Kevin McCarthy isn't the speaker right now is because when they vote, when they, you know, when Gates offered up the motion to dismiss McCarthy, it was only possible because 210 Democrats voted unanimously to move that vote forward. And they voted unanimously after getting a text message from Nancy Pelosi, who wasn't even in town. She was out in California at Dianne Feinstein's funeral at the time. And she just sent in the text, hey, you know that thing we talked about, do it, and away they went. Okay, the Republicans don't play team ball like that. But I think if they've learned anything in the last few weeks is that they're in a lot. The the fight they're in is a lot more serious than they realized. Like, do you remember in Rocky Four when Apollo Creed fights the Russian, he fights Avon Drago and he thinks it's kind of like a friendly exhibition. James Brown plays him into the ring with living in America and he's got the big giant gloves and the funky hat on and the Uncle Sam outfit and he's basically jazzercising all the way into the ring and then you see Ivan Drago and you... This could be a problem. Oh, you realize like, oh, this guy is actually here to fight to the death. That's Congress right now. The Republicans show up to D.C. on the Apollo Creed float with the hat on and the fancy gloves and James Brown's playing them into town and, hey, they're on Jimmy Fallon's show and they've got McDonald's jokes. And then they sit down in Congress and Nancy Pelosi looks at him like, Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Okay, they are playing for keeps. So whoever this next speaker is, they better get into fighting shape really, really fast. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's an old guy, has dementia. Can't lead us, and the country is screwed. Tell some big lies, barely speaks English, sniffs children, and their mom's hair too. Goes the wrong way when he leaves his speeches, gets lost each day in the White House yard. All the Dems say that we should re-elect him. How can he run when walking is hard? And you keep falling, keep falling, keep falling, keep falling, and you
man, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They're singing a Biden ditty to round things out today. Why? Because there is polling out over the weekend. My goodness gracious. Bloomberg polling that has Biden losing to Trump in every battleground state. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. That is bad news. Trump, I believe, actually six of seven in the battlegrounds. And of course, Biden's still leading in the state of dementia. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But it really is such a gonzo time to be alive. I bring it up because Gavin Newsom, on the same day we're reading this polling about, wow, Trump's winning in the battlegrounds. And, you know, we got a long way to go between now and Election Day. Trump's also on trial for 91 different indictments of people who said he mishandled classified information. It was made up by these sick people. Maybe so, but then there's the other prosecutor, you know, says he defrauded on his property value. This guy will say anything. There's a lot in play. Okay, you got Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis nipping at his heels. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Now I'm just entertaining you with sound bites. But the truth is, Gavin Newsom is overseas, okay? He went to Israel. He went to China. Uh, Just a week after Biden went there himself as president, if you remember, Biden was over in Israel. I don't remember that ever happening. It did. Okay, and Gavin Newsom going to meet with world leaders on the world stage definitely undermines Biden. If for no other reason, than it looks like a cleanup effort. You know, guy shows up a week later, 50 years younger, articulates the same policies, happens to have that central casting vibe that Gavin Newsom does. Looks like the villain in pretty much every 80s movie you ever watched. Are you telling me Gavin Newsom couldn't have fought Daniel LaRusso in The Karate Kid? He could have been the Cobra Kai Johnny. Of course he could have. But the point is, they're very much undermining his leadership on the world stage. And I know he was off this weekend. He was in Delaware. And they tell you, you know, he was working around the clock. Just because he's in Delaware doesn't mean the president's not working hard. Come on. Don't bullshit me. Okay. He's the face uh, of a movement that has allowed the bureaucrats behind the scenes to have a lot more power than anyone should. And I'd be reticent to question this if they were doing a better job with our country. But sadly, they're running the joint into the ground. The only person who's actually coming through for us is Sheila Jackson Lee uh, because she's disparaging her staff (laughs) behind closed doors. But the entertainment is actually uh, the entertainment factor is off the chart. So here's Sheila Jackson Lee. Okay, somebody linked this and she's just giving it to her staff. Now, I grew up in a tough love society. I had tough coaches that would chew you out if you blew a play. I had parents that would spank you with a belt or a spoon, and they'd make you go get the belt or the spoon if you were in enough trouble. It wasn't pretty. But Sheila Jackson Lee dishing out some tough love, I found this very entertaining. I have to share it. Clip 26. Uh, regarding uh, something that was over at Duncan Tale. Where is it? What, what page was it? Oh, from your yeah. Mom took it upstairs. I have to call him. took it up when I switched out the picture. I'll call him. I, I don't want you to do a damn thing. I want you to have a brain. I want you to have read it. I want you to say, Congresswoman, it was such and such a day. That's what I want. That's the kind of stamp that I want to have. So some stupid other mother did it. You, and, and I don't have the information. Nobody sent me the information. I need to... Uh, ensure my uh, schedule, and uh, you know, if, if Boo Boo did it, Ass did it, Face did it, then nobody knows damn thing in my office. Okay, nothing. <laughs> I actually found that kind of funny because Sheila Jackson Lee is one of those people they trot out to go. Well, joining us now is Mrs. Compassion. 
Someone who knows we're all created equal. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Maybe so, okay? But at the same time, we do need a higher level of functionality out of people in Washington, D.C. So if Sheila Jackson Lee wants to go full Bobby Knight, throw a couple of chairs across the floor of the basketball court, I don't quite mind it. It's just funny because if you remember, she was famously endorsed by Hillary Clinton as being the face of compassion in Washington, D.C., which was a little silly if we're going to be honest. But this is where we find ourselves uh, on a day in politics where down is up and up is down. And I don't even know what to tell you at this point uh, other than the show is over. Pay up. Get out. I'll be on the Fox Business Network if you need me. Until then, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.